Chapter Fourteen of The Flying Stingaree by Harold Goodwin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Berard. Chapter Fourteen. Daybreak. Rick tugged at Scotty's suit, then crawfished backward through the marsh grass until he was sure that the night watchers could not see him. He stood up, and Scotty joined him. Rick motioned toward their own boat. The boys made their way back through the swamp to the runabout in almost total silence, each busy with his own thoughts. Orville Harris was crabbing as though nothing had happened while the night watchers stood in plain sight on the opposite shore. Orville must have seen the shots fired. Rick was certain. Even if he had been looking the other way, the first shot would have caught his attention. Or, Rick wondered, had Orville tipped off the two guards that divers were below if so the game was up once merlin and company knew the payload had fallen into the cove they would be diving for it themselves under cover of guns merlin undoubtedly knew that the launching the evening of the squall had gone wrong but he couldn't know how or where but somehow rick didn't think orville had been a party to the shooting Maybe it was stubbornness, refusing to think the crabber was involved just because they liked him. Or maybe it was because the crabber had no reason for help Merlin and his gang. At least Harris had no reason known to Rick and Scotty. They reached the boat and conferred in whispers that were inaudible six feet away. Could Orville have put the finger on us? Scotty questioned. Rick shrugged. I don't want to think so, and I don't but I have to admit it's possible. If he's in with them, they'll be diving for the what's-it at first light. Rick glanced at the eastern sky. It was beginning to glow with the first hint of daylight. That's not long from now. How are we going to recover it first? Again, Rick shrugged. There's only one way. Go in and get it. Under those guns? A diver on the bottom isn't in danger from the guns. I could find the thing again without going into the shallows. That's what made us targets before, because we took the easy way to locate the fish line by going into the shallows near where I tied the line. Let's see your tank, Scotty whispered. Rick unsnapped his harness release and swung the tank around. Their probing fingers soon identified where the bullet had glanced off. There was a dent coated with silvery metal. Lead, Rick said, part of the slug. Good thing it didn't rupture the tank. Rick shuddered. If it had, I'd have been out of air suddenly and would have had to come up. Listen, Scotty, my plan is a simple one. I'll take your tank, since you have the most air, and swim right into the cove, find the Watsons, and swim out again. If it's too heavy to tow far, I can at least wrestle it part of the way, and then bury it in the mud. Meanwhile, you get the boat out where it's clear, and be ready to pick me up. They'll see your bubbles, but they can't do anything about it with rifles, Scotty pointed out. One thing they can do, though, is jump in after you. The cove isn't so deep that a pair of good swimmers couldn't tackle you. The lung wouldn't improve your chances by much. Too true, Rick observed, but what else can we try? Scotty thought it over. Listen, we'll take the boat out right now. 
you'll have to do the diving because you know about where the thing is and i don't when we get out you go over the side i'll run around to the river opposite where the guards are standing and raise a little fuss that might draw their attention away from the cove okay it made sense to rick they'll see both of us in the boat but they won't see me get out only you'd better plan our course i have no aching desire to collect a rifle slug where it hurts they may not shoot if they see we're leaving scotty pointed out uh-huh and they might shoot anyway they might but we'll be moving fast and i'll swing that boat from side to side like a swivel-hipped fullback let's get going we don't want too much daylight scotty unsnapped his harness and rick took his pal's tank and regulator they put rick's unit in the bottom of the runaround cockpit along with scotty's fins and mask rick put on his own fins and made sure he was ready to hit the water at a moment's notice rick went to the stern of the runabout and felt down the motor leg to the prop to make sure it had not picked up any grass that might slow them down it was clear scotty meanwhile untied the boat and slid into the driver's seat rick reached over the transom and pumped up the gasoline tank to ensure plenty of pressure then he waded to the side of the boat and got into the seat next to scotty pull us out to where the nose is almost projecting beyond the grass scotty whispered rick did so by grasping clumps of marsh grass and pulling the boat along as the bow cleared the grass scotty punched the starter button threw the runabout into gear and shut the throttle all the way forward the runabout jumped forward slamming rick back against his tank the boat hit the shoal at the entrance and slowed for a long breathtaking moment then the driving prop pushed it over into deeper water the stern went down and the bow lifted and they were clear scotty swung the boat to the right pulling its stern to the cove rick tensed expecting any moment to feel the impact of a rifle bullet either in the boat or in his own body there was no sound other than the racing motor and he knew it would drown out the crack of a distant rifle the distance from the cove entrance widened get ready scotty yelled lay flat and be ready to roll i'll turn so the motor is moving away from you when i tap you we'll be directly in line with the cove entrance rick moved out of the seat keeping low and lay on his side along the gunwale facing scotty he put the mouthpiece in place and made sure he was getting the air then pulled his mask down he was ready the impact with the water would be hard at this speed but his tank would push him the shock he tensed for the signal scotty swung the boat to the left held it on course for a moment then began a shallow turn to the right that way the motor would be steering itself away from rick when he went over the boat came abreast of the cove entrance and scotty slapped rick on the shoulder instantly rick rolled one hand reaching for the back of his head the other grabbing his mask he hit the water on his back his hand and the tank breaking the shock of the stunning impact he threw his legs upward and his momentum took him under the water instantly the racing motor proceeded leaving him in silent darkness he rolled over into normal swimming position and consulted his wrist compass 
the creek entrance ran on a course of eighty degrees if scotty had gauged things correctly that course would take him into the cove if scotty hadn't rick grant would end up on the beach like a stranded whale rick considered the boat was gone and it was extremely unlikely anyone had seen him leave it the turn had caused the boat to tilt lifting the side away from him it was certain that the guards had not seen the maneuver that being so and taking into account his distance from the creek entrance he thought it would be safe to look and check his course he held the compass in front of his eyes and rose to the surface he broke through slowly and without a splash one look was enough he should have trusted scotty he was dead on course rick went to the bottom and began the long swim counting his leg strokes he and scotty had practiced estimating underwater distance by the number and timing of their leg strokes it wasn't an exact method of course but it was practical there were no underwater obstacles and the depth was great enough rick remembered from the chart that the entrance into the creek varied from eight to eleven feet dropping inside the creek mouth to about seven no bullet could harm him if he stayed on the bottom if the night watchers fired the bullet would be slowed by the water he heard the sound of a motor and recognized it as the runabout the sound faded again scotty was going through some kind of maneuvers then in a short time another motor made itself felt more than heard the slower beat identified it as orville harris's crab boat he was nearing the cove like all divers rick's ears were sensitive to pressure changes sensing when the depth lessened he knew he had reached the cove itself now to find the payload if it was a payload his groping hands began their search the first-born object he touched was a cord it was the wrong thickness for his own line and he felt along it until he came to a soft round mass and knew he was touching one of orville's crab baits he grinned in spite of the mouthpiece wouldn't orville be surprised if a diver came up hanging to his bait he let the crab line drop and continued his search once orville passed within a few feet of him and rick wondered if the crabber had noticed the air bubbles from his regulator rising ground told rick he had reached the end of the cove he turned left and held his course for about twenty feet then turned left again heading back toward the cove entrance his hands never stopped moving probing the mud for a trace of fish line he crossed another of orville's crab lines and kept going until pressure change told him he was back in the deeper water at the creek entrance he turned right again a check of his compass told him he was on course his groping hands trailed over a thin line he grabbed it and stopped his flutter kick then moving with care he turned and followed the line his pulse was faster now and he rigidly controlled his breathing fast breathing wouldn't do and he would have to be careful not to let out a sigh that would cause bubbles to gush upward in one big rush a hand found the end of the line and the smooth cylinder to which it was attached orville passed very close and rick looked upward he could see the white circle of water around the single propeller now to find out what he had his hands stroked it from one end to the other one end was rounded the other was a circle with an odd-shaped hole running into it 
rick poked his finger in but couldn't feel the end of the depression the only protuberance on the thing was a band near the rounded end the band felt like metal and had two rings projecting from it the rest of the cylinder didn't feel like metal the texture was that of a smooth plastic rick lifted the object gingerly it was hard to estimate weight underwater but he thought ten pounds would be about right the total length was less than three feet it would be easy to carry this time he needed a reciprocal compass course it would be two hundred and sixty degrees going out he oriented himself properly picked up the cylinder and began the long swim back he wondered if merlin's guards were watching his bubbles he had seen no sign of bullets but he hadn't been looking for them with orville's motor so near it was likely he would not have heard the slap of a bullet on the water pressure told him he was out of the cove he breathed a little easier now to count light strokes again he looked up and saw that the surface of the water was shining with light the first rays of true daylight scotty would have no trouble finding him because of the daylight he continued on for a distance beyond where scotty had dropped him no use giving the guards too good a shot finally exhausted he surfaced he lifted his mask and surveyed the scene orville harris was still crabbing rick could see the boat but the angle was wrong for him to see the crabber at work he turned slowly in the water and saw scotty the runabout was floating motor off about a mile away he lifted an arm the glint of first sunrise turned the lenses of scotty's binoculars into a crimson eye and scotty waved back in a few seconds rick heard the motor start and saw the boat racing toward him he kept his mouthpiece in place and floated waiting scotty came alongside and reached down rick handed him the cylinder scotty put it on the seat without even looking at it he gave rick a hand and pulled him over the side he asked anxiously are you all right done in rick said wearily but otherwise okay let's get out of here scotty put the runabout in gear and headed back towards martin's creek rick sat down and picked up the cylinder there was a gob of mud still on it he wiped it off with his hand and examined the thing the material was fiberglass set in resin and it was designed so the rounded nose could be removed he didn't remove it however instead he looked at the other end down into the hole with a puzzling shape it was like a cut-out star of david in shape the hole gradually narrowing until its apex was almost at the other end the light dawned rick's lips formed the word grain scotty was watching what grain rick said again this thing is a small solid propellant rocket End of chapter 14